Numbers chapter 18. I want you to think about this. Gaining access requires the right combination. Gaining access requires the right combination. Last Sunday, I pulled up to church for our Sunday evening service, and there were a couple of people standing at the back door already waiting for me. One of these people thought that they knew what the combination was to unlock the door. They typed it in, and obviously something wasn't right because it did not unlock for that particular person. I walked up, knowing all things, punched the correct code in, and said open sesame at the same time, and no matter, and the door unlocked. The fact of the matter is, no matter how close you are to the correct number, you can be as close as you want, but you must have exactly the right number to gain access to this building. No, it's not under major lockdown or anything like that, but that's just the way things work, and you have to have the right combination to gain access. Over the past couple of weeks, we spent a great deal of time watching the children of Israel, and uh, they're trying to get pointed in the right direction. Basically, they're not doing the right things. They're not going the right direction. They're not doing exactly the way that, doing things that God wanted them to do exactly the way that God wanted them to do them. Last week, we saw God stop the murmuring. He said, no more murmuring. This will be the end of it. And to, uh, from my study, that this was the last time that they murmur. We saw that Aaron's rod was the one that budded. It was the one that blossomed, it was the one that budded, and it was the one that produced almonds. It went much further than what God had already established. And this proved that God could make them flourish. This proved that God could do what he wanted them to do, that God could allow them and give them the power to conquer. God has been trying to establish trust. Listen, you can trust me. You may not have been able to trust the Egyptians, but you can trust me. You can trust me. I will help you. I have your best interest. But up until this point, really, the children of Israel have done nothing to work their way toward God. God has been doing all of the, hey, let me show you. Hey, let me do this. And the children of Israel have really done nothing in return. They've not made their way to God at all. They've not come running to him. They've not really trusted him. But God is going to give them something that I believe will help them draw closer to him. I want you to think maybe of the history of where these people are. If you go all the way back to the beginning of time, there was two people created, Adam and Eve. Most people know that. That's not an uh, illogical thing. We are here and we understand that. They were the first people ever created on this earth. And according to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, they had a relationship with God in which they walked and talked with God in the Garden of Eden. Unfortunately, sin messed up that relationship. They chose to eat of the fruit of the tree that God told them not to eat of. And they disobeyed God in that Garden of Eden. And then we see that relationship hindered because of sin. So there is this sin problem. Keeping man apart from God. They now cannot have access, a walking and talking relationship with each other anymore because God is holy. God cannot have sin in his presence. Even now here with the children of Israel, there's a disconnect between God and them. And and they they don't see um, God maybe as as closely as they should as even Adam and Eve saw God. 
They don't see him as somebody that they can trust. They don't see him as somebody that they can walk with and that they could talk with and that they can spend time with and they, they could have an actual, real, living relationship with this God. They don't see that. They just see maybe some power in the sky that so far has met their needs, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but God wants a relationship with his people. God is, is I, in, in my opinion, stretching himself, saying, listen, I want to have this relationship. Let me show you how I can take care of you. Let me show you what I can do for you. Let me show you that I can help you conquer. Let me show you, let, let me be your sustainer. Let me be your provider. I want to be. But he wants, him, he wants the people of Israel to trust him. He wants them to trust him implicitly, fully, as much as they possibly can. He wants them to trust him, and he wants them to know him. Would you agree with me that God knows his people? Absolutely. The question does not re, does not, uh, is not asked, does God know his people? It's very simply a yes. The question is, do we know God? Do we know God? And the children of Israel... I believe at this point did not know God. They knew about him. They knew that uh, traditionally these are the, this was the person that we were supposed to serve. But did they know him? No. How in the world can God get his people to know him? I want to read for you Numbers chapter 18 and verses 1 to 7. The Bible says this, And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee, shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. And I, brethren also of the tribe of Levi, the tribe of thy father, bringing thou with thee, that they may be joined unto thee and minister unto thee. But thou and thy sons with thee shall minister before the tabernacle of witness. And they shall keep thy charge and the charge of all the tabernacle. Only they shall not come nigh the vessels of the sanctuary... And the altar, that neither they nor ye also die. And they shall be joined unto thee, and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation. For all the service of the tabernacle, and a stranger shall not come nigh unto you. And ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary, and the charge of the altar, that there be no wrath any more upon the children of Israel. And I... Behold, I have taken your brethren, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. To you they are given as a gift for the Lord, to do the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. Therefore, thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar and within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift, and the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity. Father, as I stand here before these people, I pray that you would use my lips to give your message. Father, I pray that people here today would understand what you have done for them. And Father, that they would begin to know you and that they would learn of you. Father, that they would uh, just trust you in a way that only, um, we, that only you can allow us to, Father. And I pray that you would help us to conquer through you. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I've entitled this very simply, Gaining Access. Gaining Access. How in the world do we gain access to God? Well, number one, I want you to see the fault to bear. 
the fault to bear. If you'll look again in Genesis, or excuse me, Numbers chapter 18 and verse 1, I want you to see the fault to bear. And the Lord said unto Aaron, Thou and thy sons and thy father's house with thee shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And thou and thy sons with thee shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. We like to think that relationships are wonderful things, don't we? I know people that I remember when I was um, engaged in dating my wife and how wonderful that relationship was and how exciting it was and how there was no animosity. We, had such, we just had nothing but love for each other. And we thought that there would never go wrong anything in the world. It was all puppy love, right? All of you who are laughing know that that's not the case. It's not always the case. And we've been together for uh, pretty close to 13 years dating and being married. And there's been times where things have gone wrong. Things that we thought we would never argue about or discuss. Um, those are the things that we've discussed. The fact of the matter is, things are not as, cracked, as good as they're cracked up to be. And so here in this passage, Numbers chapter 18 and verse 1 you would think that now because Aaron is the, is the one who's chosen, he's the tribe who's chosen to be of God. I mean, his, his rod budded and his rod brought almonds. Okay, good. Now what do I get to do, right? What, what am I get to do? Well, God says you get to bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. How many are going, woohoo, that sounds awesome. You get to bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. Not only do you get to bear the iniquity of the sanctuary, you get to bear the iniquity of your priesthood. Not only once does he say it, but twice in the same sentence does God say, you get to bear the iniquity. This is um, not really the role I think Aaron was excited about. Most of us probably don't get excited about the bad things in a relationship. We probably don't get excited, oh, I can't wait till we have our next fight, right? You, you just Nobody does that. If you do, you're nuts. So this is not the exciting part of the priesthood. But this was a required part of the priesthood. You see, there was a fault to bear iniquity, if you would, uh, really means bring it to, to, to fault. The fault of the sanctuary and the fault of the priesthood. I believe the role of the priesthood was simply a mediator. A mediator. If you don't know what a mediator means, it's a go-between. Somebody that goes between. And so there had to be somebody that went between man and God. This is exactly what they get to do. And so there's a time when man is going to sin. The children of Israel are going to do wrong. The children of Israel are going to do things that are not correct. The children of Israel are going to do things that are against God. And so they're going to do wrong. Well, then the priest has to bear that iniquity. They have to take that and they have to offer a sacrifice for that and shed the blood of an innocent animal. Why? To make atonement for the sin so that God is now pleased with man. You see? He's a mediator. Now, conversely, there's another side to this. There's a mediator between God and man, and then there's a mediator between man and God. And so it goes one way, and then it comes the other. God is now going to speak. Every time I believe we see God speak, he does it through either Moses or Aaron. And so God will speak to this mediator, and the mediator will then speak to the children of Israel. 
So the role of a priesthood was very easily, I believe, one of a mediator. Numbers chapter 18 and verse 5 shows us that, if you will. The Bible says, And ye shall keep the charge of the sanctuary and the charge of the altar. Why? Why? That there be no wrath anymore upon the children of Israel. So God is setting aside Aaron. God is setting aside the tribe of Levi. God is setting aside Aaron's sons to be the priests. For what purpose? So that God will no longer rain wrath down upon the children of Israel. There was a go-between. There was somebody that would communicate now between the two. The priest would listen to God. The priest would relay that to people. And so this was not an easy job. There was a fault to bear. They had to bear the iniquity of this. This was not an easy job. You know, there are many requirements for the priestly line. And if you want to take a look at the book of Leviticus, you can take a lot of time and look at that. There's tons and tons of qualifications of a Levitical priest. But the fact of the matter is, let's just suffice it to say, these people stood as a mediator between man and God. And so these people had to be holy. Holy. The Bible will say that over and over and over again. They had to be holy. They had to be consecrated. They had to be set apart. There were things that these people could not do. There were things that these people would not be able to accomplish in their lives because of the role that God had appointed them to. And so they had to be holy. You can't just waltz in and say, oh, I'm just going to talk to God today and I'm just going to waltz into the holy of holies. And no, 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 no. If you'd have done that, you'd have been killed. And so there is some serious things that they were to do in order to be holy. So number one, they had a fault to bear. Number two, I want you to see the fallibility of man. The fallibility of man. If you'll look with me at Numbers chapter 18, look at verse 3 with me. The Bible says, And they shall keep thy charge in the charge of all the tabernacle. Okay, so these are the Levites now are, are going to help with the tabernacle. Only they shall not come nigh unto the vessels of the sanctuary and the altar. Why? That neither they nor ye also die. You see, there was only one group of people, and that was the sons of Aaron that could come unto the vessels of the tabernacle. They, could, they were the only ones that could enter into the Holy of Holies. They were the only ones that could get close to God. They and only they, lest the other people die. Verse 4, and they shall be joined unto thee and keep the charge of the tabernacle of the congregation. For all the service of the tabernacle, watch this, and a stranger shall not come nigh unto you. No outsider can get into this position. This is for you and your sons only. We don't want anybody else in here. This is only, I've only appointed you. Jump down to verse 7. Therefore thou and thy sons with thee shall keep your priest's office for everything of the altar. And within the veil, and ye shall serve. I have given your priest's office unto you as a service of gift. And the stranger that cometh nigh shall be put to death. Man, this is just so exciting, isn't it? The fact that God's just putting people to death all the time. This is just wonderful. No, it's not. It's scary. We don't understand why, why we can't get close to God, but the fact of the matter is we are so far removed from God because of sin, and God is a holy God, and we cannot have any, he cannot have any sin in his presence. And so if a stranger, some ordinary Joe Blow were to come and to speak, to walk into the presence of God, the Bible says that he would die immediately because 
God cannot have sin in his presence. These are all things that we need to remember and think about. No other person outside of the sons of Aaron and outside of the sons of Aaron himself, excuse me, that could take the position of the priest. The priest was specifically chosen by God. He was specifically chosen by God to be the mediator. No one else could just up and say, I want to be in that position. You know, there were three people that we've already discussed that tried to do that. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. All three of those men tried to stand up and say, we want to take the place of Aaron and Moses. I believe even the children of Israel realized that not just anybody could come up. Look at chapter 17 and verse 12 and 13, which we read last week. The Bible says this, And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die. We perish. We all perish. Whosoever cometh anything near unto the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? You see, they knew what it now meant. They knew that they could no longer come to the, the, the tabernacle. And if they got close to where God's presence was, then they would die. And so they knew what it meant. So the children of Israel could try all they wanted to to be the mediator between God and man. They could try. They could spend time. They could, they could try to be holy. They could do all they could do. But you know what? The fact of the matter was God did not choose them. They were not chosen by God. Their rod did not bud. Aaron's rod budded. If they tried to be the mediator, they would pay the price for not doing it God's way. See, God, again, is trying to establish the fact that he has a way of doing things. There was a way for them to gain access to God, but it was not through themselves. It was through the priest. So I want you to think about something else with me. The establishment of a priesthood makes it clear that God wanted a relationship with his people. Again, you have to realize that there is a sin gap. There is a sin gap that nobody can, can, can cover that gap. And so God's trying to make a way for him to have a relationship with his people. So the establishment of the priesthood was simply making it clear that God wanted a relationship with his people. Without this relationship, without this relationship, folks, get this, they would not be able to conquer. They would be powerless they would just be like any other person. They would be powerless. They would be visionless. They would be lifeless. They would have no reason to live. They would have nothing to move forward on. They would not have a promised land to go to. This is an important, important part. The fallibility of man. And as we have already established, without God, they would not conquer the land that they had promised. And so this brings me very simply to the application of this message. Number three, I want you to see the future priest. The future priest. I want you to turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. The entire chapter of Hebrews chapter 7 spends an incredible amount of time showing in absolutely great detail. And I challenge you after this message, maybe this afternoon, take some time reading Hebrews chapter 7 and looking at it. 
gives in great detail the transformation from a Levitical priesthood to the future priest. That future priest, we'll see in just a moment, is Jesus Christ. There's a huge transition. Now, Hebrews chapter 7, I want you to look at verse 22. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 22. The Bible says this. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is, watch this, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily, as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, watch this, when he offered up himself. You see, Jesus Christ is the future priest. You see, this was just simply a picture. God wanted to have an opportunity to speak and have a relationship with the children of Israel. But there will come a time when God wants to have a relationship with every single person on the planet. And these Levitical priests were for a time. They were there for a moment. But Jesus Christ is the new and, but get this, the perfect mediator between God and man. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, the Bible says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. The Bible says this, The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all, to be testified in due time. You see, Jesus Christ, as Hebrews chapter 7 tells us, in verse Look at verse 23. The Bible says, And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. So here's the idea. The priests were simply humans, right? They would live a life and then they would die. In fact, we'll see very shortly in the next couple weeks that Aaron will pass from this earth. Aaron will no longer be the high priest anymore. He will no longer be the mediator, but somebody else, his son, the Bible says Eleazar would come and he would be the next high priest. And he would move into that position. And so they did not have to continue and suffer the priesthood past death because they would never come back from death. But you know what? Jesus Christ in verse 24, the Bible says, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. He is the mediator. He is the perfect mediator because he, though death tried to take him, he would rise again. He would have the continual priesthood. He would have a priesthood that would never end. He was not like the other priests who died. He died and rose again. And because he continues to live, he has an unchangeable priesthood. Look at verse 25 with me again. Wherefore, because of that unchangeable priesthood, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. But here's the key I want you to see right here. That come unto God, how? By him. 
by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. You see, God wants to have a relationship. God wants to have a relationship, and he wanted to have that relationship with Adam and Eve, but somehow sin messed that up again. Sin messed it up, and the Bible says that we are all sinners. We all deserve death. We all deserve to be separated from God in a relationship with God. But he said, I want to have a relationship with you. And so he created, he allowed the priesthood to come into effect. And then he said, that's not good enough. I need something perfect. I need Jesus Christ. And he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross and become the actual perfect mediator between God and man forever. So that man could now come to God. And they could have a relationship, a walking, talking, abiding relationship. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus made this very clear. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Get this, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You can't make it to God without me. You can't have access to God but through me. If you want to, you cannot. You can try all you want to. You can work. You can get into the place. But God has appointed me. God has appointed only me. I am the mediator. I am the one who comes between. And so the fallibility of man is still there. Listen, there's sin still here. You can try all you want. You can work as hard as you want. You can do all that you want to do. You can fight as much as you want, but you are not the atonement between God and man. How in the world can Jesus say that he is the mediator? How can he say that? Look at verse 26 of Hebrews chapter 7. How can he say that? Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 26, the Bible says, For such an high priest became us, watch this, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. The fact of the matter is every single time that the priest, the high priest, the, the mediators wanted to go into God, they had to sacrifice first for themselves and then they could sacrifice on behalf of the people. Every, the Bible says daily they had to do that. They had to do that over and over and over and over and over again. But the fact of the matter is Jesus had to do it one time. One time he died. One time he gave his life. He sacrificed himself. He was a perfect lamb without blemish and without spot. And that was enough. And God said, it is finished. It's done. No longer do you have to worry about not having access to God. You see, again, you can try to do it all on your own. You can even come close, but the Bible says that we all fall short. Just like typing the numbers in on the keypad in order to get into a building. If you're one number off, it's not going to open. You can try. You can be moral. You can be upright. You can be everything that you want to be. You can even make a lamb sacrifice if you want. But God said, that's not going to work anymore. I've appointed Jesus Christ. I want you to turn over to Isaiah with me. Isaiah chapter 53. I love how the Bible ties things so well. Isaiah chapter 53. 
verse 4. I want you to think about the first verse that we read today. The fact that they had to bear the iniquity of the sanctuary and bear the iniquity of the priesthood. Watch this, verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Watch this in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath what? Laid on him the iniquity of us all. You see, the priesthood was to bear the iniquity of the people of the children of Israel. You know what God's job, unfortunately, was? The iniquity of every one of us was placed on him. He had to deal with that. He hath borne our griefs. He hath carried our sorrows. If you think Jesus would bear those, he would take them and he would sacrifice, not a lamb, he would sacrifice himself. Just like the priests would sacrifice that lamb. Just like they would reconcile man unto God, Jesus Christ was that reconciliation. His blood changed us and gave us an opportunity to have access with God. Again, we can try to do it our own way. We can try to make it on our own strength. We can try to do whatever we want to do to get to God, but we will pay the price. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. You can try. But the wages of sin is death. Well then, what in the world are we supposed to do? If we're like the children of Israel and they're standing here, well, I guess we're just meant to die then. I guess we all perish. We're just going to perish. Are we going to be consumed with dying then? No, no. There's something that you can do. You see, the children of Israel now, with the establishment of the priesthood, knew that they could have a relationship with God, that they could atone for their sins, and they could be upright and sanctified and perfect before God. So what are we supposed to do? We're not the children of Israel. There's a new mediator in town. What are we supposed to do? Probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. John chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he was, that he gave his only begotten son. That, watch this, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see what he's doing? He's saying, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just put your faith and trust in the way that I have created, in the way that I have placed. And so the children of Israel are exactly in the same spot. They have to take from here and trust that the priest is going to do what's right because they are God-appointed. And we have to do the same. We have to trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose again, and, and was in is mediating between us and God today. We have to have that trust. 
Jesus paid the price of sin for you. Trust that this is the way that God has established. I want you to think of something else. The establishment of Jesus Christ makes it clear that God wants to have a relationship with you. With you. God established something. Sin messed it up. Get that. But God established something so that we, you and I, God wanted to have a relationship with you. With you. So you say, Pastor Jones, what in the world does this have to do with conquering? What in the world does this have to do with helping me through the problems of life and helping us do what's right in this city, in this town, in this country? I am so glad you asked that question. Go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 37. The Bible says this. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through who? Through him that loved us. Watch this. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hello? You can conquer everything. Nothing, the Bible says, can separate us. We are more than conquerors. We're not just conquering. We are more than that. We're more than a conqueror. We're more than wiping everything out. We're more than getting over these things. We're more than doing the things that God wants us to do. We're pleasing God on an everyday basis. Why? Because nothing can separate us. We have the power of God. Nothing, death cannot separate you. No, nothing in this life can separate you. Angels, principalities, powers. You think of the greatest power that you have and nothing is more powerful than God. He's saying, listen, just trust me and I will conquer. I will help you conquer. I will make you more than a conqueror. When you choose Christ, you realize that you cannot handle it on your own. Let's put it into perspective. I'm a child of Israel. I'm here and I have no relationship with God. And now I have to choose the fact that I'm going to go through the priest, realizing that I can't do it on my own. The same is true here with Jesus Christ. I am a sinner, and all I can do is, is die. That's the only thing that I have to look forward to. Yet Jesus Christ, I cannot make it to God on my own. I, have to, I fall short every single time. Yet I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I'm going to put my trust in him. I cannot handle it on my own. When you choose Christ, you realize that the only way is God. You are making it known that God is the only way. And then I believe that you are unable to be more than a conqueror. Even death that is brought by sin 
cannot overcome you. The Bible says that you can have everlasting life. We're talking about conquering. And folks, we will never do any type of conquering without Christ. We will never conquer death without Christ. For the wages of sin is death. Will you choose Christ? Christ.